0: Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne LeBar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, you have broken the tyranny of sin, and have sent the Spirit of your Son into our hearts, whereby we call you Father. Give us grace to dedicate our freedom to your service, that we and all creation may be brought to the glorious liberty of the children of God. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and for ever. Amen. The first reading today comes from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 20, beginning at the 7th verse. Jeremiah cried out, O Lord, you have enticed me, and I was enticed. You have overpowered me, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughing stock all day long. Everyone mocks me, for whenever I speak I must cry out, I must shout violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name... Then within me there is something like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I am weary with holding it in and I cannot. For I hear many whispering, Terror is all around. Denounce him. Let us denounce him. All my close friends are waiting for me to stumble. Perhaps he can be enticed and we can prevail against him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a dread warrior Therefore my persecutors will stumble, and they will not prevail. They will be greatly shamed, for they will not succeed. Their eternal dishonour will never be forgotten. O Lord of hosts, you test the righteous, you see the heart and the mind. Let me see your retribution upon them, for to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord. For he has delivered the life of the needy from the hands of evildoers. The second reading is from the Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus summoned the twelve and sent them out with the following instruction. A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground unperceived by your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others... I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. In the mid-1970s, a group of women gathered together in Argentina, just a few to start with, and quite ordinary women. The only thing they had in common was that each of them had a son or a daughter who'd been abducted by the ruling military dictatorship, who'd been disappeared, as they put it. Grieving and angry, they couldn't rest without knowing what had become of their children they couldn't rest without calling to account those who had tortured and probably killed them. So they gathered each Thursday afternoon in the Plaza de Mayo, outside Government House in the capital. Eventually they took to wearing white headscarves with the names of their children written on them, and carrying nails to remind them of that other mother whose son had been nailed to a cross. The Mothers of the Disappeared, as they became known, were part of the process which led to the collapse of military rule in Argentina. Their courage and persistence were quite awesome. Despite the cost to themselves, they wouldn't give up. As one of them said, When the foreign journalists began to ask about us, the military used to say, Don't take any notice of those old women, they're all mad. Of course they called us mad. How could the armed forces admit they were worried by a group of middle-aged women? And anyway, we were mad. When everyone was terrorised, we didn't stay at home crying. We went to the streets to confront them directly. We were mad, but it was the only way to stay sane. Those mothers weren't natural campaigners. Most had spent their lives caring for their families, Focused on their own homes. But their passionate love for their children meant they couldn't just shrug their shoulders and leave it to someone else to challenge the injustices of their society. I thought of those brave women as I read today's passage from the Old Testament. Poor Jeremiah. He was regarded by his contemporaries as mad and troublesome, like those mad old women in the Plaza de Mayo, and he was treated with contempt and brutality too. He'd never wanted to be a prophet, but he couldn't escape his calling any more than they could escape escape the pain that led to their protest. The time of Jeremiah was a bad time to be a prophet, if there's ever a good time. The Babylonian army was advancing inexorably on Israel, conquering and destroying but the people of Israel refused to acknowledge that they were at risk. The priests had told them that God wouldn't let anything bad happen to them, and they chose to believe it. Who wouldn't? They were convinced that it didn't matter what they did or how they lived, it would all turn out for the best. God was on their side. Protected by this fantasy, corruption thrived. The wealthy oppressed the poor, And the cohesion of the nation was undermined. They only paid lip service, if that, to God, so they weren't developing the kind of deep, trusting relationship with Him that they'd need to carry them through the terrible times that were coming. So God called Jeremiah to speak out Wake up! Open your eyes! It matters what you do and how you live. His message went down like a lead balloon. He was ridiculed, arrested, maltreated. No one wanted to know. Jeremiah was having a particularly bad day when he spoke the words we heard today. He'd been prophesying in the temple the day before, and the priest, Pashur, wanted to shut him up, so he'd put him in the stocks overnight. It was humiliating and painful punishment, and when, Jer- when Jeremiah was released in the morning, he was furious. Furious with the priest, but most of all furious with God for calling him to this thankless task. You have enticed me, he complains to God, and I was enticed. The word enticed is a very strong one. In some versions it's translated as seduced or even deceived. That's how Jeremiah feels about God at this minute as if God's pulled a fast one on him, got him into this without really telling him what he was letting himself in for. And yet there's a tension in Jeremiah's lament. However furious he is with God, he knows people need to hear this message. And in the end, he cares more about that than his own safety. The words burn within him and insist on being spoken. He's come to realise that God isn't motivated by vindictiveness or cold judgement, but by love. This is a God who is passionate about his people, desperate to help them through the days that are coming. It's this passion that's overpowered Jeremiah, seduced him, enticed him. But it's a true passion. It's not a false trick. He's seen the depths of God's love, this God who delivers the life of the needy from the hands of evildoers. Jesus' words to his disciples in the Gospel reading today are an attempt to prepare them for an equally dangerous and unpopular ministry. And Matthew's account is written, of course, for early Christians who also faced the daily reality of persecution and the danger of death. Don't be afraid, says Jesus. What you're doing is worth doing. It may sometimes feel like failure. Death and defeat may seem to stare you in the face. But in the end, those who lose their lives for my sake will find the true life that can't be destroyed. The Bible passages we've heard today, like the witness of all those who stood up for justice over the ages, invite us to ask ourselves two questions. The first question is, What difference does my faith make to the way I lead my life? What impact has it had on me and through me on others? What do I do because I'm a Christian? What do I not do because I'm a Christian? When I come to a tricky situation, how does my faith influence the way I deal with it? If we can't think of a way that our faith changes us, well, that's something we should surely ponder. Because when push comes to shove, what's the point of it? The second question follows on. Faith should change the way we live, but that's not enough on its own. The terrorists who destroyed the Twin Towers on September 11th 2001 had a faith, and it made a difference to their lives, but it was entirely destructive. Many others have destroyed themselves and others less dramatically through joyless faith, narrow faith, fear, the desire to dominate. Faith can be deep and powerful and sincere, but not healthy at all. But that's not the faith that Jeremiah and Jesus call us to. Their witness was rooted in the knowledge that God cared passionately for them and so he cared passionately for others as well, and so should they. The mothers of the Plaza de Mayo couldn't stop protesting, because they couldn't stop loving their children. God can't stop loving us, even if he wanted to. If we know that, if we really know it, we shall not only have a faith that's strong, but a faith that's loving, sustaining and enriching too. And though it may bring challenges, that kind of faith will keep us going long after a faith rooted in fear or self-righteousness has faded away. So this week we're invited to ask, how does my faith change me? But also, why does it change me? What is it rooted in? Fear? The desire for approval? Just plain habit? Or is it rooted in the knowledge of God's passionate, personal, endless love? God calls us all to serve, to witness, to work with him, in great ways or in small. If that feels daunting, as perhaps it should, we need to open our ears to his words of reassurance, that whatever happens, his passionate love for us means that, like those brave Argentinian mothers, He'll never give up on his children. Amen. And so, as we bring our prayers to God, we pray Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.